edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. My name is Justin Lee, and I'm joined by Adam Swenson and Brandon Lee. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, and hello to both of you. Good morning. So, plenty of things to talk about on this July Saturday morning uh, NBA Finals, but perhaps more interestingly for those of us in Detroit, what do you know? We actually got a number one draft pick. The NHL and uh, some things to talk there. Of course, got to talk Tigers at this time of the year. We're also going to dive a little bit. We're just going to dabble just a little tiny bit in the Olympics and also talk a little bit of golf. So plenty of things in front of us here on the Saturday Morning Sports Important. So, what do you know? The Detroit Pistons got a number one draft pick. That's kind of exciting. Cade Cunningham is coming to town on Trey Weaver's very much uh, remodeled, no, not even remodeled, gutted and rebuilt uh, Detroit Pistons. And kind of reminiscent, because he's, he's, what, all of 19 years old, and um, kind of reminiscent of another guy who came out of college early to uh, come to the Detroit Pistons by the name of Isaiah Thomas. Um, but uh, what, what do you, what do you see from Cade Cunningham? Go ahead. Uh, I, I can jump jump in on that one. You know, the first thing I would say is it's not a lot that they, they take Cunningham. Um, I think there's, I would, I would give it a 30, 35% chance they trade the pick. Um, you know, he's clearly the best player uh, available. Um, but I don't know that the fit for them is, you know, slam the door shut on entertaining trade offers um, for the pick. Um, but, you know, what he brings is essentially what is the model for NBA success these days, built off, you know, the original kind of blueprint of LeBron, you know, now 16, 17, 18 years ago. Uh, which is a guy that's, you know, between 6'6 and 6'9 that can do everything. He can ball handle, he can shoot, he can defend. You know, he's got a good perimeter shot. He can drive to the basket. Decent mid-range game. You know, he is the model um, for what has been successful over the last handful of years in the NBA. And he's going to, I think, by all accounts, will be a very good NBA player. And a very solid one, you know, as whereas their pick last year was kind of a, a boomer bust and Killian Hayes, and there's still the, you know, lots of time for that to be decided. You know, Cunningham is a guy that seems very unlikely for him to be a bust in the NBA. Um, will he be a number uh, worthy of that number one level? Hard to say, um, but he would be a um, a very solid pick, a very safe pick. But I guess my question for you, Adam, is. You know, what we've seen from Troy Weaver is a propensity to uh, buck, uh, you know, kind of conventional wisdom and be very active on the trade market. So, you know, I'm wondering with a less conservative, you know, GM, would we even be entertaining the idea of a trade? Or is this really just Troy Weaver? Uh, what, you know, what's he going to do? I think, and that you basically answered my question in terms of your opinion on the, the, the scuttle, the, the talk of maybe Troy Weaver and the Pistons trading out of that. that uh, I, I thought it was a lot of uh, makeup of nothing. I thought, hey, you're going to go in, you're going to pick Cunningham, and, and then move on. 
The thing that I would say, though, is that this is a year where, boy, yeah, it's really good to have that number one draft pick, but at the same time, it's a little bit uh, deflating. Because I think Kate Cunningham will be a very, very good NBA player, but he's not going to be a uh, um, he's not a guaranteed Hall of Famer or anything like that, right? I mean, he he will be very good, uh, and and it goes back to then that that basic discussion of is it worth trading out? And and I you know listening to you, maybe a lot more to that talk than just NBA reporters filling up time. Uh, and Justin, you brought up, uh, you know, I said Thomas, and you know, when I look at a guy like Kate Cunningham, he actually reminds me of another Piston uh, by the name of Grant Hill, a very, very good player, uh, very, and, and obviously has gone on to be a very good post-career uh, uh, NBA career person uh, with commentating and whatnot. I just don't know. I, I that's how I think of it, and I think if if there's an opportunity to bring in a uh, sort of gold mine trade, I, I guess I'm I'm a little more open to that being a possibility at this point. Uh, but at the same time, when you really think about it, if you add a Kate Cunningham into this particular roster, you just about put yourself in a position of being guaranteed uh, a guaranteed playoff uh, uh, team. Maybe not next year, but certainly the following year after Cunningham is a, a year under his belt, and then uh, you know the rest of the uh, uh, you know whether it be Sadiq Bay and and uh, uh, you know Killian Hayes and I you know Isaiah and and, and whatnot, all those particular players. Then, then you've got that. So maybe there's a, there's there's a safety in being able to pick a guy like Cade to this team, knowing what and allowing Troy Weaver to continue doing moves. And that that's my other commentary is again, it's not just Kate Cunningham, but then if you do trade, what are the things that you're going to be looking at then, whether it be trading or or obviously free agency. So. It definitely a different style of player than Isaiah. I mean, that that's you know, Isaiah was a small guy, right? Um, and as you know, to Brandon's point, you know, this is you know LeBron um, doing what he did. It was it, it you know I have to actually go one one step back further to Magic Johnson, and and granted, it didn't become prevalent until. LeBron and then moving forward. But that was one of the things that made Magic great was he was a six foot nine guy who could do anything on the court uh, at a time way before that became a thing. Um, so but going to the to the trade side of it, like, for example, one of the things that's getting bandied about online is Houston Rockets are super interested. They've said it publicly in potentially trading for Cunningham. I mean, do, do you see a price no that's good okay yeah i think the number yeah no chance that the rockets could get him um i think there's there's two ways that um they trade the pick the first way is a first round an established first rounder from the one of the last two drafts think of like a colin sexton in cleveland um and it would never happen but a trey young in atlanta someone of that caliber uh, with obviously Young being uh, quite a bit better than Sexton, and then a first-round pick like the Cavs' number two pick uh, along with it. Or the, I think the, the most likely trade partner are the Thunder. Uh, the Thunder own, you know, a 1,000 first-round picks over the next five years. And I could see a scenario in which they deal the number one pick to the Thunder for a batch of those first-round picks and potentially turn around and flip those picks for a true, a true established 
I think those are the two routes. But if they don't go with the Thunder route, I think it's going to have to be a very attractive, established, recent, you know, first rounder and the current first round pick or multiple first round picks, or it's going to have to be some kind of Herschel Walker deal with, with the Thunder. Is there a player out there who's worthy, who we have a legitimate chance of nabbing? say, with a basket of first-round picks. Brandon, you had brought up uh, the Brandon Beal name, I think, a couple, and I wonder if that's a sign-and-trade deal type of thing, you know, that, 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 that would be out there. I, You know, and I, but Justin, I think you make a really good point is that who who is actually out there that you're going to be able, not only are the Pistons able to get, but then... Will they, you know, be able to perform to the level of the expectations based on that particular trade? And that's where I, I, it, it can struggle. And that's where you maybe just go back. You pick a guy like Kate Cunningham, who seems to be not only just a, a very talented basketball player, but just a very good person, you know, by by himself. Um, it, is that the route to go? And especially to with the other options that that uh, um, you know Troy Weaver has uh, and his ability to make trades and find those those good players, you you wonder if it's just one of those things where you're overthinking it. You go out, you get Cade, you, you you make it happen, and then you start doing some other deals to kind of build around you know the guys that you got in the team at this point. I that that's. You, you bring up a great point, uh, Justin. So. so it'll be interesting to see what happens, but it's exciting nevertheless because yeah. the Pistons are really on the precipice here, no matter what they do, assuming they don't completely boff it. They're, you know, uh, they're on the precipice here of, of – a significant turnaround and not just a, Hey, we're going to sneak into the playoffs turnaround, which maybe that's what's going to happen next year. But, but having the talent to actually become a legit team very soon. So. Absolutely. I think they are, you know, and the Celtics have made a lot of decisions that have impacted their trajectory, but they are assembling a roster very similar to the Celtics did a few years ago. Uh, with, you know, Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, you know, City Bay, Kate Cunningham, you get a couple of those pieces together, um, and you're you're cooking. Uh, I expect them to be fighting for a 7 or 8 seed next year, regardless of what they do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk NBA Finals real quick. Uh, Phoenix Suns uh, have taken the first two games, and uh, what do you see coming out of that? I think that the Phoenix Suns are going to continue rolling. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, when I look at Milwaukee, and, you know, we alluded to the uh, schedule uh, of the NBA this season with the 70 games that so was a little on the complex side. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then, you know, the playoffs and with all the injuries, I, I just look at Milwaukee and they just look tired, right? Um, and they just look like they don't have any gas left. And it just seems like Phoenix like a super young team, whether it be Devin Booker, whether it be Chris Paul, whether it be, you know, regardless, it seems like they're just ready to rock and roll. Uh, and I don't foresee it being any different. I suspect that the uh, Suns will probably win this series in maybe, you know, five games, uh, you know, give or take, uh, but definitely about five games. I just, I, I, I can't see Milwaukee. And I, I, you know, and I also wonder, and, and Brandon, I, I have to tell you too, I, I'm a little... 
my interest in the NBA playoffs kind of tailed off, but and I think for a large part of that had to do with New Jersey or uh, excuse me, Brooklyn not being there. Um, and I'm wondering if the NBA, because you see like the ratings have, uh, they were really, really good and then they kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, and I'm wondering how bad the impact of Brooklyn losing was to the NBA as a whole. Because I, I don't know, I'm just not, I'm just not locked into this Milwaukee Phoenix series like I, I would have hoped to have been. So. Yeah, I mean, it's two small market teams. And so that was always going to be a challenge from a rating standpoint. But I think you know, the NBA fans have been accustomed to super team finals um, for quite some time, uh, whether it's both super teams, uh, you know, like the Cavs and Warriors did for many years, or just having, you know, excuse me, the LeBron-Anthony Davis combo last year and seeing what was going to happen there. So the injuries uh, have befallen the NBA in the playoffs. You know, the Clippers, you know, Kawhi going down, that hurt the ratings. The Warriors not making it hurt the ratings. You know, the Lakers fizzling out without Anthony Davis hurt the like. It, it just wasn't meant to be. I think the ratings will improve next year. Um, as far as the actual finals, I think this is one of the biggest talent gaps I've seen in an NBA finals in quite some time. Um, to me, it's not even comparable. The Phoenix Suns have so much more talent uh, top to bottom than the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis is a phenomenal player, um, but. He's just one of them. There's just one of them. Uh, you know, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, you know, they're just leagues ahead of the Bucs in terms of talent. I don't think the Bucs are a very good team. I don't think they would have beaten a healthy uh, Brooklyn team. And so, you know, I, I got to agree with Adam, you know, Suns in four or five. You know, maybe the, the Bucs play good enough defense in game three or game four to, like, they, you know, like they shut down the Hawks, you know, to win a couple of games. But, there's just a huge talent gap uh, between the two teams. Uh, one of the things you said, Adam, uh, when you uh, sent out your uh, pre-show notes was that uh, does the Suns' success give even more hope to Pistons fans based on the turnaround timeline? And Brandon, Brandon's an emphatic yes. Yeah, I mean, I think the question is, you know, what is the what's the, what's the piece that's missing? The Suns have actually had quite a bit of talent for many years, and they finally were able to go out and get a point guard, which is what they were desperately missing. Uh, and for the Pistons, you know, once the once the roster formed, once Cuttingham's in place, what's going to be that missing piece that they have to go and get? And how do they get it? And what, what does Weaver use to make the deal? And that's where it's going to be really interesting to see how he uses, like, the killing and Hayes, potentially, uh, in, in future trade discussions, or even Isaiah Stewart. I know people are are very fond of him as well. But, you know, if he sees the team formulating in a place where they're missing a piece or two, I think any of those options are on the table. I really only think that Sadiq Bay and then likely Cunningham, you know, when he's selected, are, are, are protected. I think everyone else on the roster is open to dealing, including including Jeremy Grant. Uh, if, if he thinks they're close enough or they're missing a piece or two. Yeah. And really, I mean, I, I brought up the Suns and the Pistons comparison because it was basically a two-year turnaround with that team, right? I mean, they've had, uh, you know, Devin Booker for a while, but for the most part, it's been a a, a two-year turnaround. Um, and I, I, I have to tell you, I mean, I, I, I think I disagree with Brandon a little bit. Um, I think a guy like Isaiah Stewart is going to be on this team. I think he's a very unusual, unique talent that I think as he develops, he's going to be 
definitely a um, he's going to be a difference maker on this particular team as they you know are rising uh, um, you know you know and moving toward the top. Um, where and and I think that the, the the player that will be the difference and they're going to have to make a decision if he does not develop quickly enough is going to be Killian Hayes. I think that's a guy because to uh, Brandon's point, that point guard position is so unbelievably important and is the difference between a team being good and great. Uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm very curious about what what Killian Hayes will be like as a basketball player. And what and and then that you know his output, if you will, if that will be good enough for this Pistons organization, and whether or not Troy Weaver will have to you know pull the pull the trigger uh, sooner rather than later. So, moving on to the NHL and uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, win their second straight Stanley Cup. And as we've mentioned many times on this show, of course, the architect of that team was Steve Eiserman, uh, at least putting most of the foundational pieces in place. It's got to give you some warm fuzzies for moving forward and in, in the direction he's taking the team and super busy uh, time of the year coming up. We've got the NHL draft coming up and then, um, you know, free agency coming up. Um any thoughts on that front? You know, my one takeaway, and I saw a lot of, uh, you know, different people bringing it up, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if this is the off season that uh, Steve Eichmann, uh really puts his, uh, um, you know, his signature on this team and tries to go out and get that that game changing goalie. Uh, we saw the goalie play, you know, with Tampa this year that was just really unbelievable. And it really kind of brought me back to the, you know, the the yesteryear of the Mike Vernon's and, uh, uh, you know, all on Dominic Hasek and, and the goalie play that the Red Wings had. And I'm, I'm wondering at what point do they, uh, mind you, I don't think, I, I, I think this is more about trying to figure out maybe if uh, there's a, a, a goalie under the, you know, um, uh, you know, not well-known goalie, but someone that you know Steve Eisman really likes out there. I I don't know, but that that's a position that I don't know if they've done what they need to at this point to really go to the next level, and that's something I'm looking at for uh, this offseason. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, um, and that would certainly be that would certainly be a big deal. Uh, and the Wings do need to go out and get a number one goalie uh, before they become competitive again. Uh, that much, you know, is is without question. And I wonder if it's this year or if it's next year. Um, now the Wings have plenty of cap room uh, this year, uh, but they'll have even more next year because uh, a whole ton of contracts come off the books, including uh, Franz Nielsen, for example, Danny DeKaiser. Not that they're not going to have to replace those guys. Um, but I think it will be done more economically, be it through better players for the same money or roughly the same money or lower salaries. So it'll definitely be very interesting to see what happens there. So I, I think Adam nailed it in terms of the missing piece in terms of the rebuild. You know, there is no pipeline there. You can see the way that he's trying to use his draft picks on you know, the front line and, and, and made some wise trades this you know, this year to, to strengthen depth, young depth 
uh, in the forward group. He's got a couple of absolutely dynamite defensemen coming up. I think the goaltending position, whether it's this year or next year, is the is the you know, Adam Nail that is the missing piece. I think he needs to make a statement signing uh, of a forward this this summer, though. And there's mm-hmm. quite a few of them that are available, and they don't need to be, you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know Gabrielle Lang, the song, is probably the most prominent, you know, uh, free agent out there. We're not going to get him, but it doesn't need to be quite that good, but he needs a, a big name forward to come in and put up some points to, to generate momentum, I think. Uh, and I would pair that with a, uh, you know, kind of a middling 3-4 defenseman. And if you do that, then I think there's an opportunity for the team to build the kind of momentum. We talk about this a lot with the Tigers, I'm sure we will in a moment. You know, seeing that progress, seeing that momentum, getting the team used to being competitive, I think he needs to do that now. And, you know, the, the missing piece, I think, is the goalie, and I think there, there may be another summer we have to wait on that one. I, I, I think the going out and getting of a goalie would give this team the respectability that they would need to go ahead and and build on and, and, and be able to get those other free agents, if you will. I and and I think that's that that's how I kind of see that that goalie uh, acquiring uh, taking place and, and why you should do it. So hmm, interesting, uh, oh, and it definitely will be interesting to see what happens. Um, y- you know. God, when it, with the goaltending, it's it's such a uh, such a crapshoot sometimes, uh, because you know, do you go out and you get a goalie right now who's won the Stanley Cup, performed well in the playoffs? Eh, wings aren't that close. But do you right. go out and spend on a goalie who's unproven and you give him a big contract? Uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting, but there are some interesting uh, free agent goaltenders, uh, Tuka Rask probably being the most uh, interesting out of them. Um, Landeskog is the most interesting out of the forward free agents. There's one or two others that might be, uh, you know, uh, marquee-type signings. Um, so, I don't know. We'll We'll have to wait and see what happens. So, Tim Shevel, they may be available as well. So, no, no, okay, that's fine. Moving down, I would prefer Bob Bob Asenza that would be my preference. Thanks oh, okay, okay. We, we... Craig Stefan, that that's excellent. That's uh, that's some good work there. That is some good work there. Sam Salerau, okay, I'll stop. Um, Glenn Hamlin, uh huh, uh huh. Take control of this, Justin. You started it. You got to wrap it up. So, so with that said, let's move on to the baseball world and the Detroit Tigers. And so I'll uh, I'll be you know my my homer self with the Tigers here and um, say that I actually had a really good time at uh, at the last baseball game that I went to on the third. Uh, it was the first time in quite a while. That it was, I mean, you know, I enjoy watching baseball. Win or lose, I generally enjoy going to the ballpark. Um, and, you know, you see fun things and you have good moments and bad moments, and it is what it is. Um, haven't seen a crowd quite as excited, and it's and still a small crowd, even with, with the stadiums opening up, um, but haven't seen a crowd quite as excited as, uh, in a long time as they were on Eric Haas's inside the park home run. 
Um, that was a really, really fun moment because, you know, he hits the ball, you know, it's a sinking liner. And, and so the runners are held up um, as Hamilton's coming in and as he dives and misses it, it goes by my exact words at that time were, Oh my God, Mickey run. Cause he was on first base <laughs> and, um, but just, just watching that whole play and seeing, well, now the Tigers former third base coast, coach chip hale but he was super excited jumping up and down just like flailing his arms like run run it was it was really it was fun to see and then of course haas hitting a three-run home run that was a three-run inside the park another three-run home run later in the game the tigers played a really good game and we've talked about this before uh a few shows ago uh when they swept houston and and the team has the capacity to play good baseball and boy, have we not seen much of that in the last five years. I mean, it, it's, it's starting to be fun again and I'm starting to get the, get the thought that maybe just maybe we're finally onto something. Um, and let's start with the starting pitching. Um, Casey Mize has been so good. Um, they're starting to limit his innings a little bit. I get it. Uh, Tarek Skubal has been very good. Um, Matt Manning, another nice performance last night. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. What about you guys? Yeah, you have to be. Uh, you, you have to be uh, for a few reasons. One, uh, you know, I was just thinking about this uh, the last couple of days is that, you know, I love Ron Gardenhire as a manager here. I think Ron was great as a Twins manager, uh, and I thought he was the correct manager for this organization when he was here uh, for many reasons. But what I find remarkable is the job that A.J. Hinch is able to do. He is absolutely positively the next-level manager, and I, I really give the Tigers organization – all the credit in the world after, I don't know, 70 games now uh, uh, of, you know, being able to go out and, and get a guy who's an absolute difference maker, right? That And and you can tell whether it be, you know, I didn't like the fact that they let Tarek Skubal, uh, uh, you know, left him in the game on, on Thursday because uh, it really probably may have been the difference between the winning and losing that game. But in the end, it's when you're listening to it, and I thought uh, Dan Dickerson talked about it, there's a couple other people saying, you know what, you've got to leave that guy in so he learns. It's not about winning the game mm -hmm. today as much as we're trying to develop him going forward. And you know beyond a shadow of a doubt with A.J. Hinge that there's a plan. One, he's able to manage in the moment, but also do long-term planning in terms of his approach with players. You even take a look at, like, Akil Badu, a guy who, unbelievable the first three weeks of the season. Then all of a sudden, unbelievably not so good, you know, for a stretch of time. And now he, you can really tell they're doing a fantastic job of developing a guy that I think in most organizations of Rule 5 would have been just a guy just kind of treading water, hopefully, for the season, just so you could kind of get to the next season to kind of understand what options you have. That's yep. not happening here. They're, 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 they're building this guy out now, and was he successfully reaching base 20 games in a row? I mean, that's completely ridiculous. Um, so I like what I'm seeing. And, oh, by the way, I, I'm seeing – 
you know, two months ago, I would have looked at this roster and said, well, no, that, that guy's not going to be here when this team is good. This guy's not going to be here when it's good. And now I'm I'm seeing these guys in a different light, whether it be Akil Badu, whether it be Jake Rogers, whether it be uh, um, the, 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 uh, the guy, you know, but bottom line, I'm seeing guys on this team that I go, wow, that this guy could really be maybe, maybe, just maybe be here when this team is, is good, which then I got to take a step back and go, my gosh, Justin, if this team didn't play absolutely abominable baseball for the first four weeks of the season, they're probably in, 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 in contention for a wild card for heaven's sake. I mean, and, and that's where I'm like, that's overwhelming at that point. And, I, and so that's where I'm at with this team all over the place, obviously. Okay, Brandon, th- throw some cold water on us. No, yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I, please, please. I, I don't have a ton. Of, I don't have a ton of cold water. I mean, how could you? I mean, they're they're like eight games over five hundred the last two months. Um, I'm just really interested in the trade deadline. I, yeah. I I'm just fascinated. I, you know, they've got you know I think the what's it eighty consecutive games against the Twins here in July. Um, so you know <laughs> they should beat up on the Twins. They really should. Um, they should at least come out, and I think they've got six games remaining. Um, you know, they should hopefully come out of that stretch four and two. And if they do that, you know, they're six, seven games under 500. Um, and, you know, and particularly as the innings restrictions come on and, you know, injuries take the bad because I think they'll stay as we all do. But I'm just fascinated to see what they do with the deadline. Uh, it, it's going to be really interesting. And But no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm similarly excited. You know, I think there's uh, there's, a, there's a few things, as always, that I think are a little bit troublesome. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Willie Castro not understanding how to play defensive baseball yeah. at all is, is a little bit worrisome. You know, the bat, you know, we expected to come around as he got more, you know, major league. The bat is still very young. Obviously, it's like 24. 24, um, yeah. But the fielding is just atrocious. Just atrocious. So, you know, that's a little bit of, you know, so what are, the, what are, the, what are some of the decisions they start to make about those guys? And not that, you know, they can't wait for it, but if you're trying to assemble an 85, 95-win team in the next two years, well, then you do have to start making decisions about those guys. Um, and so I'm just more kind of fascinated and excited to see what the end of July brings. And, you know, hope that they ride this kind of wave of good baseball and guys like Haas and Badu as long as they can. So it's, it's fun stuff. It's exciting. They're becoming much closer to much must-watch baseball. You know, I'll save the the beating up of Miguel for a different show. But, um, well, I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll give you another guy that I, I think shows you where this coaching staff is. A guy that I thought might have been done. In fact, I think we talked about him maybe being done in baseball was Joe Jimenez. A guy that just, mm-hmm. I mean, at the beginning of the year, he was just abominable. He, he looked lost out there on the mound. And now, I mean, the last game he, you know, it didn't pitch well, but I mean, for the most part, he's come back and, and put in really a very notable stretch of pitching and where none of us thought that was even really possible for the most part. I mean, it, you know, outside of the last game, it, it's just, it, it's very, very impressive the job that both AJ Hinge and Chris Federer have done. Uh, and, you know, and, and to Brandon's point, what is this team going to do at the trade deadline is absolutely interesting because what it will tell you above anything else is 
where does the organization think they are at at this point? Because right mm -hmm. now, I don't know if we have a good idea. We spent a lot of time on the last show talking about it. And quite honestly, I don't think any of us have any better clue about where this uh, team is at than we really did on the last show. Like, and, and more importantly, what the self-perception is of this team by by the organization. And that's going to be the most telling thing going into, you know, coming out of the trade deadline this year. So, well, I, I think that goes. I think it's really point. tricky. I think it's really tricky because, mm -hmm. um, you know, what, 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 you know, what, how much, you know, stock do you put in a Badu or a Haas, particularly a Haas, who's a little bit older, mm -hmm. a journeyman guy, he's obviously just hitting the ball unbelievably right now, been a great spark for them, but he was much younger. I think you can invest a little bit more there, but, you know, how much stock do you put in those guys? They really are the reason, other than them and Scope really are the reason that's keeping this team competitive from a field, you know, from a batting standpoint right now. Yep. Um, you know, what, you know, do you, do you decide to get rid of a Grossman and to see a key cog, you know, for this order that's been allowing those guys to flourish, you know, do you move scope while well, value super high and then, you know, your order looks a whole lot weaker and maybe the guys like Haas and Badu start to struggle. So it's a little bit like Jenga to me uh, in this batting order and what they do with it. And, and Justin, I think we're going to actually know a little bit about where this organization thinks it is tomorrow when we find out who they draft. Because, um, I mean, all this talk about drafting a pitcher is remarkable based on just the number of draft picks they've put into pitching, you know, over the last series of years. Right now, mind you, Spencer Torkelson and, and uh, uh, Riley Green the last two years but still this team lacks offensive talent. And I, I just, it's remarkable to me that they would not just go out and, and make sure to pick the best offensive player. Now, mind you, I think in the draft, especially baseball draft, you just need to go out and pick the best player. But especially with some of the, the, the lack of luck they've had with their pitching, I'm, I'm wondering if it's just not a good strategy for this organization. So that, that'll be, a, I think, a, a real first step about what this team's personal perception is. Yeah. You know, really quickly, I, 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 I'm two minds on this one. I mean, I think, you know, based on how well the starting pitching is doing now, I think we have to start thinking about this team in a little bit different way in terms of the cycles of where they're going to be. You know, and on paper right now, they absolutely need another bat, right? But, you know, in two to three years, you know, can they wait? You know, do you, you know, if they're going to accelerate their competitiveness, I might actually draft a pitcher because in a couple of years, you know, what that pitcher might be able to show versus a bat, uh, either as a dangling in this trade bait, if they're super competitive and they're trying to win a World Series. Or, you know, like, I, I actually think that, you know, you know, picking players and waiting for this rebuild to come to fruition, I really think that, you know, Torkelson and Green are on the timeline, but adding another bat, you know, particularly if he's a younger bat, you know, a guy that's 18. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I. I you brought this up, Adam. I, I'm always of the opinion in baseball, you take the best overall player you can get. Um, that that that's the the short answer. Um, you know, the Dave Dombrowski model was you can never have enough pitching, uh, and I, I wholeheartedly agree. Now, where I disagree with him is they don't all have to throw 100 miles an hour and, you know, hit the backstop half the time. Um, but 
you know, there, there are some good position players uh, potentially available, uh, particularly at shortstop, which the Tigers need. But but even then, you're still looking unless unless you're getting a a a Mike Trout or a potentially Spencer Torkelson, um, who's lighting up Double A now. There's very few bats that really just come out and just get things going in one to three years. Um, I mean, it happens, uh, you know, so I, I'm, I, I'm not super excited one way or the other. I think it's great to have a number three pick. Uh, I think thus far um, Avila has shown that he has not screwed up uh, these early picks. And, and I think that is the, the bar we're giving him and, and have in previous shows is, uh, you know, we're not going to give him a ton of credit for picking Mize at number one or Torgerson for number one, but we're also going to say, hey, look, he, he didn't screw it up either, so check the box and let's go. Um, and so I think we're looking at the same thing here. Um, and we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, but one thing, I, I did want to run back to Joe Jimenez real quick, uh, because his numbers, if, if you're looking at his season totals, look atrocious. Um, but an inter- interesting thing to note, he, he gave up nine earned runs in his first five outings. Um, he's given up five earned runs since then. And that's since uh, May 22nd. Um, and in, in the game that uh, one of the one of the good things that um, came in the game that I was referencing earlier, is he struck out the side. He came in out of the bullpen, struck out the side. I think he was in the sixth. That's Again, it, it's exciting. It goes to what a really good job this coaching staff has done. Uh, this coaching staff, which is down yet another coach with Chip Hale getting a head coaching job, uh, which also happened with Jose Cruz Jr. Um, going to Rice. Um, and uh, I, I just think it, you know, it just bodes really well for the team that we're seeing these things. Jake Rogers actually hitting the ball. You mentioned him earlier, Adam. I mean, uh, you know, not all these players are going to pan out, obviously, but it's 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 really encouraging. So trade deadline, um, I think the Tigers won. Uh, Akil Badu is going nowhere. Uh, he's 22 years old. Um, I, I will take a baseball bat to Alavila Carr if he – trades kill would do um jonathan scope i think absolutely you need to trade him if you can get anything reasonable and yes will it have a negative impact on the lineup no question no question but tigers are not a contending team this year i mean could by some miracle of god they get into the playoffs i suppose i think it's extraordinarily unlikely but you never know um and then Eric Haas is an interesting, and I hadn't considered him, Brandon, uh, to be honest, as a trade chip, but he could be. He really could be. Um, just based on the way he's playing right now, and teams love, you know, getting kept catching depth going into the playoffs, particularly a guy who can also play out in the field. Um, yeah, if somebody makes a reasonable offer, you got to trade him. Absolutely uh, have to do it. And I'm not going to be sad if any of these guys don't get traded either because um, it just means we're going to see a little bit better baseball one thing I, I thought was really interesting tigers decided to uh, option victor reyes back down to the minors after he was done with his rehab stint you know he had injured himself um 
it was a muscle strain, went down to the, you know, rehabbed, went down to the minors, then jammed his shoulder, which extended his rehab stay, finally got off the disabled list. They sent him right to the minors. I thought for sure we were going to see the last of Nomar Mazzara and Reyes was going to end up back on the roster. I was just curious if you guys had any thoughts on that. Well, certainly, I, I feel as if, uh, um, you know, Nomar Mazzara has, you know, while he started the season all right, and then he got injured, uh, I, I think it was an injury or, or COVID, I can't recall. But the point being is that uh, since then, he just simply cannot get himself going. Uh, but and, and I think it would be ideal for this team that if they can get Victor Reyes healthy and, and moving in a positive direction, that, that that's the guy you probably want up here uh, to, to be able. Because he, he's a guy, I mean, we talked about guys that are potentially going to be here when this team is really good. I think Victor Reyes, a, a, a healthy Victor Reyes, can be that guy possibly. So, um, and I don't think that No Martin Bazzara is that guy. So we, we can move on from that concept. So. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. So lots of interesting stuff to pay attention to uh, going forward here. Of course, all-star break coming up. Gregory Soto ended up getting the all-star nod. It's not actually who I would have picked, um, but he, you know, he's done a really nice job this season. So you can't, can't argue with that. And um, if he maintains consistency, he could be a very good pitcher for an extended period of time, still just 26 years old. Um so that is that on the Tigers front. I did want to jump into the Olympics real quick. And um, the Shikari Richardson uh, story, obviously she uh, tested positive for marijuana, was given a one-month uh, ban that will disqualify her from the Olympics. Um, and it made me think of a situation that occurred um, back in, uh, in the 1998 Olympics, and and perhaps uh, my my personal favorite Justin on a soapbox that I ever wrote, um, which had to do with uh, Ross Rabagliani uh, losing his gold medal in the 1998 Winter Olympics uh, because he tested positive for marijuana uh, after he won the gold medal, and he was a um, he, oh gosh, what was he? He was a snowboarder. I forget what event in particular. Uh, it was the giant uh, slalom. There it is. But um, he eventually had his medal reinstated because marijuana wasn't listed as a performance-enhancing drug. But I, I just remember talking back in 1998 about how just utterly ridiculous it was to consider marijuana a performance-enhancing drug. I, I, I mean, granted, if he was in a Doritos and donut eating contest and tested positive for marijuana, then yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree that's performance enhancing, but um, it was really silly back then when that happened and eventually it turned out okay. Th this is another level of just complete just stupidity. And, and, and I, I guess... I'm the guy in the meme sitting at at the table that says, change my mind. Uh, this is just asinine at best. Well, it's even more bizarre today than it was then because of where we're at with 
um, marijuana and, and its right. general overall acceptance in society, right? I mean, where, I, I mean, you know, and again, I, the last person to really know the, the what and why and how of, of those things. But the reality is, is that society at this point has voted on it being something that is being legalized and even going a little step further then to, and just like you said, to call it a performance enhancing drug is a really kind of a bizarre uh, labeling of it based on what we do know of it. And, and I, 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 yeah, and, but, but Justin, it is the Olympics, which, you know, we, we haven't really, uh, you know, because of the long break in Olympics, we haven't been subjected to the, uh, the, uh, quote greatness end quote of the uh, uh, International Olympic Committee and the people running that operation. I that that's uh, um, and, and I'm sure we'll get our collection of story here in the next two to three weeks. Uh, and you know I think especially I mean I, I think that the, the Olympics will be very notable this year for many reasons. So uh, we'll just have to kind of wait back and see and and uh, certainly uh, uh, marvel at the greatness of the International Olympic Committee. So. That's true. I haven't railed against them in several years. So, The International Olympic Committee is just here to remind us that, one, I think comparatively, it's a way to judge the greatness of the NCAA in terms of mm. stupidity. Uh, just really two bodies that really just bring out, much like Bird and Magic Johnson, bring out the best of one another. Um, and when one just really says, you know, I'm going to do something ridiculous, the other goes, no, no, I've got this. My beers. I'm going to ban someone for weed. Um, it's just silly. It, I, you know, it speaks to, you know, so many things about how, you know, and I'm not sure if it's on the show notes talking about, you know, the name and likeness, uh, you know, uh, income for uh, college athletes. But, you know, these things are just stupid. And eventually, you know, society, you know, these, these groups, these committees catch up to where society is. And I expect in four years this will be an issue again. But it's awful for the for the runner because uh, she's really quite talented uh, yeah. and would have been a great uh, great addition to the games. Yeah. So here's the official statement to um, from the World Anti-Doping Association is the reason why marijuana is banned as a performance enhancing drug, and this is I quote: potentially it it'll, it allows athletes to potentially endanger themselves and others because of increased risk-taking, slower reaction times, and poor executive function or decision-making. Think about that for a second, as a performance-enhancing substance. Slower reaction times, poorer executive function. And it's, if, 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 you're, if, if you happen to smoke a joint three weeks ago, it has no effing impact on what your performance, like, yeah, if 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 somebody's at the at the at the uh, running block, puffing, okay, that's probably problematic. But I, I and and, and uh, now and then the follow up question that, that would be: Are they testing for marijuana itself, or are they testing for THC? And so everything you you just went ahead and rolled off to me would be way more of a THC component, uh, the effect of of that yeah. component by itself. Versus, I mean, I'm I'm guessing the next ten or twenty years we're going to be prescribed 
non, you know, marijuana, non-THC for a, a, a malady of, of items, probably. I, I mean, if you're going to a, um, you know, a, you know, a health doctor of, of some sort, uh, you know, um, herbalist or whatnot. So, yeah, it just it's it's so dumb. But it's, it's a great point, Brandon. The IOC and the NCAA are, you know, organizations just uh, notorious for decision making and how exactly not to do something. Um, I, I do want to though give an honorable mention to FIFA because um, they're they're not quite in the the pantheon of stupid organizations, but they're pretty damn close. The other thing, though, um, well, I mean, their expertise is, is their special move, if you will, if it's a Street Fighter or um, right or Mortal Kombat would be correct. That's their finish. <laughs> they've got they've got it nailed down. They really do. They really do. Um, switching gears, though, to the NCAA, um, really interesting Supreme Court decision came down. Um. It, basically lifting the cap on education-related compensation for student-athletes. So basically, the NCAA said, you know, we, we, we can do scholarships and, and some other incidentals that come along with the scholarships, but we're capping your total benefit you can earn from us as an institution. Uh they were sued under antitrust laws, and the Supreme Court ruled unanimously that, yes, this was a violation of antitrust laws. Now, the decision was written very narrowly, which is very standard for the Roberts Supreme Court, to to talk about um, just this one component. So they did not get into the, the naming and likeness stuff. That was definitely left unanswered. Um, but very, very interesting and, and a wake-up call to the NCAA is now, you know, players may very well be entitled to and certainly can negotiate for uh, postgraduate or, you know, graduate degrees uh, and other types of educational compensation um, and that it's illegal for the NCAA to cap that benefit. And you know damn well someone is going to apply that to other areas where they cap benefits. And there will be more lawsuits with that precedent already set. So just, I think, super, super interesting. And we could definitely be seeing a major, major shift in the way college athletics work after that decision. So um, last thing I think we were going to get into is golf. Um, Rom winning the U.S. Open. And uh, what is it? The Open Championship is coming up. Um, where are we going from here? Well, guys, I just have to imagine, I mean, the, the, the guy who's obviously on fire, uh, you know, would have won the memorial had he not tested for COVID and then went into the U.S. Open and just basically owned that tournament. I have to think that the, the person you, you would, you know, is the hottest golfer at this point and as hot as any golfer has been in the last couple of years, it could be John Rahm going in. Uh, his game will be absolutely perfect for an Open Championship uh, title, um, you know. And I, you know, I, you know, you want to talk about other names where I, I don't think they have a whole lot going would be a guy like Dustin Johnson, who has not played very well in majors this year, uh, you know. And then, uh, you know, as good as Brooks has been, he just seems to 
Uh, he has not been as, as crisp as he was, uh, uh, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, and then, you know, the other name that, you know, is right there at the top would be Rory McIlroy, uh, who seems to be slowly but surely getting there, uh, whether it be from a putting game or just, uh, you know, the final touches kind of swing. Uh, but John Rahm just seems to be the clear favorite at this point and, and not a whole lot uh, one could really do to argue that particular point. So, uh, but that's why they play the game too. So. Yeah, I don't know that I have a whole lot more to offer. You know, um, I think Rory was the other name I was going to mention. You know, it's the same collection of guys we talk about for every, yep. you know, for every major. Okay. They're all hanging around. And who puts it together? Rom's got to be the odds-on favorite. Uh, I think he's getting like nine to one. Uh, you know, from, from an odds standpoint, and McIlroy's not far behind. You know, DeChambeau is you know really struggling to hit a fairway uh, in regulation right now. Um, so, you know, but you never know. I mean, I, uh, but, you know, Ron's got to be the guy. Yep. Patrick can't putt. You know, that's been killing him because he just can't hit those putts right now. Uh, yep. So, with that said, um, we've got quite a, quite a, um, an expanse of pretty exciting sporting events coming up here uh, in the very short term. Um, so several drafts, uh, MLB All-Star Game, which is generally a yawner, but it is interesting to, to always take in the sights a little bit. Um, you know, NBA Finals is going to be wrapping up here very shortly. Open Championship, you got the Olympics coming up. Um so it's it's actually a busier summer, I think, than we're used to used to seeing. Um, and I, I probably having the COVID shove things into July, like with the NBA and NHL. I mean, that that certainly is a part of it. Um, but there is definitely some interesting stuff to see. Of course, trade deadline and baseball free agency starting in the NHL. Uh, and what do you know? Football's right around the corner as well. So lots and lots of stuff coming up here. Uh, in the very near future. So, any parting thoughts before we get out of here? No, I just, uh, you know, the stretch for the Tigers coming up will be uh, an interesting one. I think, you know, we talked about narrative and self-perception, and I think uh, that the stretch that they have coming up are a bunch of teams that are struggling to have their own uh, perception, uh, self-perception uh, kind of defined. And uh, I think it will uh, be very, uh, I'll be very curious about that trade deadline and how they play in these games and the draft about, you know, how all those things work out. And I think we, we might have a lot more more of an understanding of this organization in by our next show than, than what we've had up until now. So, yeah. Uh, quick plug uh, for uh, men's Olympic basketball. You know, really interesting. Kevin Durant decided to go and play. Uh, he will be the story uh, for the men's U.S. Olympic basketball team. A guy of his caliber uh, choosing to uh, go to Tokyo. Uh, that'll be fun to watch. He will be by far and away. Uh, you know, the biggest name uh, you know, on the court uh, uh, internationally uh, this call around. So that'll be fun to watch him uh, do what he does. You know, arguably the best pure scorer, you know, in the last, you know, 30 years. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch. 
And for me, I will end this with uh, a little uh, Miguel Cabrera plug just to make Brandon twitch a little bit. Uh, with his hit yesterday, Cabrera is now tied for 40th all time in hits. I I am enjoying, you, you don't get to watch a guy chase 3,000 very often in your life. Um, and to be able to do that really is a lot of fun. He's three hits behind uh, some guy named Rogers Hornsby, uh, right behind Wee, Killy, uh, Wee Willie Keeler, Barry Bonds, Frank Robinson. I mean, that's that's um, really, really impressive uh, as he wanders toward 3,000. It's almost looking like he's got a better shot at 3,000 than he does at 500 this season, which is not the way I would have drawn it up. Um, but hey, whatever. <laughs> With that said, that will wrap it up for another edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. Thanks so much for listening. For Brandon Lee and Adam Swenson, my name's Justin Lee, and we'll see you guys soon. Mm-hmm.